This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman, and welcome to The Loop. The city is heading towards a massive bylaw overhaul, which could mean rezoning across Edmonton. The focus being on density and affordability and bringing changes to some of the oldest neighborhoods by upzoning residential parcels. And all of this is about putting the goals of the city plan in place as we prepare to grow to a city of 2 million eventually. One idea, though, that's been floated outside of bylaw overhaul is rethinking some of the old office towers we see in our city. Armin Dariwal has been digging into the conversion conversation. Hi, mm-hmm. man. Hi, how are you? I'm good. So Excellent. who's behind this push to convert empty office space into residential? I mean, this really feels like deja vu because I, I feel like I've done this story decades ago, though. But yeah. uh, here it is. It's all cyclical. So we're back at it again. And uh, back in the spring, Councillor Andrew Nack suggested uh, that the city encourage developers to possibly turn empty office space into places for people to live. So basically what he and other councillors want to see is more residents uh, helping revitalize the downtown core, which we all know has been struggling after the pandemic. So. We all have or know people who visit downtown for hockey games, events, concerts, but most don't really stick around afterwards, right? Yeah. And so they go back to their homes in the burbs. So that's part of the problem, right? Yeah. It just kind of it creates this vacuum. So and, mass exodus. Yes. And uh, yeah, the trains totally get used for those <laughs> yeah. events, as we all know. So Anne Stevenson is a counselor of uh, Wardo Damon, and uh, she lives in Oliver, where there are some projects that are going up and have gone up. And uh, she's been a part of the push as well, asking city staff to come back to council with ideas uh, for an incentive program. So uh, it'll hopefully get developers interested in doing this kind of work to bring life back to the core. You know, downtown is a physical place, mm-hmm. but the lifeblood is the people. And when the pandemic hit and people left the downtown, you know, the heart of our city just stopped beating. Um, in recent months, uh, you know, certainly over the past year, we've seen huge, huge improvements. It's, you know, I think we had more festivals this summer than we did pre-pandemic. Um, so that recovery is is solid. It's continuing to progress. I think having uh, more residential redevelopment happening faster would accelerate that further. Um, you know, it's a great, great opportunity to build on the strengths that, that, are, that we're already seeing. The pandemic really demonstrated the imbalance that's existed in our downtown for many years. We've relied really heavily on commercial development and haven't had the residential piece there as well, which helps provide that 24-hour activity and um, vibrancy in the core. Folks might not know this, but Edmonton has one of the highest downtown office vacancy rates in the country at uh, just over 24% in the second quarter of this year. So that makes it the third highest in in uh, the country. And while Calgary still claims the top spot with a higher than 30% rate, uh, their number is going down every quarter while ours is getting higher. So I think in Calgary, what happens is when things pick up, obviously right. the offices get filled up again. We're a little slower. Another group fighting for this kind of revitalization is the Downtown Business Association. They've been championing, you know, coming back to the core for a while. What are their thoughts on on bringing in this kind of program? Yeah, this is absolutely on top of mind for them. A a big focus that when I caught up with Panita McBride, she's the executive director of the DBA. uh, She said, yes, this is great news. Uh, She uh, said that she started hearing about downtown conversions a couple of years ago, specifically in other cities. And uh, at the time, Edmonton's downtown core, you know, didn't sound like it was able to make downtown office tower conversion work. Uh, for whatever reason, McBride said that uh, we didn't have appropriate stock. You know, there wasn't as much of a need. But uh, since then, things have clearly changed. 
all of a sudden it's a bigger conversation. And I think what happens is office buildings have to really drop in value so that they can be acquired really, really cheap, which is where we're at now in Edmonton. And you have to have the demand for residential and there has to be some sort of like in, in incentive and, mm. and investment from government, which it also sounds like now council is very interested in because the economic conditions also just have to be a certain way. So it's been really interesting to watch it change from like, oh, yeah, you know, kind of a cool pie in the sky idea to now it's very much like, yes, how do we eliminate some of our excess office stock? How do we bring new life to these really outdated, irrelevant buildings and really increase our residential population, which is really, honestly, priority number one for us. Edmonton is the most affordable major city in the country and still has lots of potential for growth. I mean, you look around the downtown, there's there's a lot of empty lots uh, that are really just used as parking lots. If not, then they're just vacant. Yeah. So um, definitely uh, that's not the case in, in other major cities. Yeah, and price comparison, we definitely went out for now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Bargain <laughs> the, Bargains to be had. The other thing we see, I mean, I see construction crews downtown all the time right now. Mm-hmm. So are, are we seeing any of those conversions happening at the moment? So there are a few conversions on the go at the moment. Panita told me about a development uh, right downtown. So that's the Enbridge Tower at 102nd Street and Jasper Avenue, right across the street from uh, Enterprise Square, the U of A, the old Bay Building. It's the building with the pointy top. So that building was initially going to be converted into a Hyatt, a high-end hotel, but the pandemic, like it did for many plans, uh, it put that plan on hold, changed it altogether, forcing uh, the owner of that building to pivot, and um, particularly, as well as other developers too, right? Uh, So they went ahead with the renovation, but instead of a hotel, they have now converted the whole building into, get this, apartments. Uh, Perfect. So the main floor is going to be reserved for commercial use, but the rest will be apartments. Uh, I think it's going going to add 270 affordable units into the downtown neighborhood. And the web, website says it's scheduled to open later this year. Okay. You mentioned off the top deja vu. So mm-hmm. the office conversion idea, not necessarily something new in Edmonton? Yeah, no, it, it really isn't. So we've kind of had this history and this type of work uh, before, although we haven't done it uh, for a while, around 30 buildings downtown are apartments and condos that used to be office space. I mean, you would you would never know it unless you, know, you knew someone who remembered it when yeah. it was an office, right? Of so I, I think when I first pitched this idea in our morning meeting, it was funny. A lot of hands went up saying, yeah, they live or used to live in one of these buildings. So, and I think you, the, the buildings still kind of have a feel of that, mm-hmm. even though they've become residential, right? So if you think of the McLeod uh, right outside of our station on 100th Street, that is like an iconic building, right? Saved for its architecture, apparently used to be all office and uh, now it's all apartments. So uh, there's another building not too far from there. It's called the Cambridge Lofts and uh, Liberty Building on um, Jasper. So those two, so most of these conversions, uh, they're 15 years or older at this point. Uh, While it's not new, it's, it's, it's not been the big story in development just in recent years. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I've actually been in some of these buildings. I mentioned the, there's a, an old office building on the corner of uh, 109th street and Jasper. So really high profile. It's on the Northeast corner and it's the building with the big, long white Pillars. Oh, and, yeah. And then it's uh, in between those pillars are basically uh, windows. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're like just south from like Greta and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah south on 109th there. Back in the day, I, I worked with a fella here at CBC who bought at the time, I think it was the early 2000s, maybe even around 2002, 2003. And um, they were converting that old office building into lofts. And he was like on the ninth floor 
got it for some sort of ridiculous price. At the time, we thought it was crazy. It was like a, a close to 200, maybe 150, $160,000. Uh, but you walked in and it was just a whole floor of windows. And then it was just kind of separated a little bit for a bedroom, but the rest was just open concept wow. and then a kitchen uh, way in another corner. And I think of those 30 buildings, some are that style. I know on 105th Street, there's some lofts that were built were similar to that. And then there's other places where it is compartmentalized, right? So it's like on the floor, you might have two or three units. You have actual fixed walls. Right. It's uh, not an open wide space because most of those office towers are all, you know, they're built for one big floor. Yeah. And, so they vary in the officiness. Exactly. That <laughs> continues throughout. Yeah. And I mean, that also... I'm sure we'll get into it, but that speaks to the challenges for developers when they look at some of these projects and what they think will work, what won't work, how much work they've got to put into it to make it look like a place where someone would want to live. Yeah, I mean, so developers, of course, are are they warming up then to this idea? Are we seeing a rush to buy up these properties? I, I think at the moment there's a little more caution than than excitement. Like, you know, and everybody's rushing to do this. I think a lot of developers are doing their due diligence, which when it's a project this big, I think yeah. you have to. And so uh, before they can get a property to make financial sense uh, or find that diamond in the rough uh, to get converted, a lot of things have to make sense and not the least of which is the area of right. downtown. Um, I caught up with a couple of builders and Nuj Gupta is president of Anu Developments. He's been making multifamily since 2006 in Edmonton. So he and his company have, have experience in this. He started with duplexes, multifamily apartments, etc. cetera. Uh, his company is also working on an office tower conversion in Oliver, a spot where he thinks, you know, it's got a better chance to have success because of all the services that are built in. And so Gupta says that the city's inventory for these conversions isn't as good as other markets. Plus, he feels that uh, more businesses need to be back downtown before anybody will even consider moving back into the core. I think really the focus that council needs to have is, and I, I've, like I said, I've tried to communicate this, is there needs to be a focus on employers downtown. Um, there's a lot of talk about the incentive program that Calgary's made use of in terms of handing out dollars to developers, um, converting buildings, and we just have a uniquely different um, set of circumstances in the city of Edmonton where it's not an issue of people being downtown. Um, Oliver has a enormous population. Um, it's a bigger issue of not having those employers um, that then can make all those businesses that are operating successful. We had um, a luncheon and something was explained to me that in an office building, let's say you have a a 100,000-square-foot office building, and you convert it into apartments. At most, you're going to have 300 people occupying that place as their, their place of residence. That 100,000-square-foot office building, though, would have at least a 1,000 people working in it. And those extra 700 bodies buy lunch, buy coffees, go for dinner, use all the services in the community that those 300 people just don't. And um, that difference in bodies and people making use of services is what will actually keep downtown vibrant. So this incentive program could work depending on what council does with it. You mentioned the challenges earlier. Um, you know, it is a kind of a weird space to think of living in. You can't just divide cubicles up. Mm -hmm. uh, how hard is it to actually give these working spaces new lives as residential homes? 
I think it's a pretty big challenge and uh, for developers. They, they go in and they have to look at it physically and they, they get an idea right away, right? So unlike a house or a condo or an apartment building, which is specifically built for residential, places like old office towers simply weren't or aren't. So their heating systems are set up to warm and cool entire floors or series of floors. There's no compartmentalization, right, of areas mm-hmm. on the floor. So uh, many times it's just one big, huge vast space and then that has to be divided into living quarters or individual units that means rejigging plumbing heating power uh, in some cases it can take a lot of work to modify mm-hmm. so mo barzagar he's a managing partner with hipco construction i had a chat with him uh, they they've been doing renovation work for years and uh, for residential commercial and uh, usually it's in case there was a flood or smoke damage or, or what have right. you but they're also starting to dabble in this kind of conversion work as well uh, because they they believe that there's an opportunity here for that. Uh, but but they too agree. Like it has to have the support of business and, and having workers kind of being there, right? That density. So they're noticing more developers kicking the tires on this on these conversions, but they also get it. It's very much a buyer beware when you're tackling something this big. As people become more accustomed to these conversions, they're just going to get more knowledgeable, more experienced. They're going to know what to look for. And it's, it's going to become more common. They're going to be more comfortable doing it. Because yeah, if you're, say you, you have a ton of cash that you want to invest and you you purchase a building and then you forget a couple steps and then you find out oh man it's containing or oh man the amount of hvac upgrades that we have to do we're going to have to add a ton of hvac to the space now we're losing money that can one bad experience like that can deter tons of future projects because now you know you're telling your whole circle about what happened everybody's hearing about all this all this negative and then you know people are are nervous invest at that point. You know, he talked about the logistics on the inside. He also mentioned uh, there's this kind of greenhouse effect in some buildings, right? Because most office towers, it's all glass. Right. Like and, your friends you were mentioning, right? Right. Yeah. So it was like the, in between the steel beams, all glass. And uh, some are just entirely glass. And so that can kind of cause this heating effect and like you know, if you're living in there, you want to be comfortable. You don't want it to be 33 degrees all the time. No kidding. Or having to put the AC on to cool it down. Uh, I mean, I guess you wouldn't have to really worry about the heat because no. uh, it would it would be contained. But um, save money on sheets too. You don't need blankets when it's 33 well, degrees. Well, that's it. So a lot of things to think about. Yeah. So towers. what could that next step be? As of right now, city staff uh, should have a general structure of what this incentive plan could be by the end of the month. I think they've talked to a lot of developers about what they wanted to see in this or what they think would work. So as for what it's going to look like, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be options. To the south, Calgary has an incentive program uh, that's been in place for a few years now. Theirs provides funding based on square a square footage formula. Okay. And so developers can get up to $15 million per property, which sounds like... That's, that's not bad. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty big chunk. Um, so we could see some formulas like that, or there could be some other way to incentivize developers uh, that city staff develop. Uh, as of right now, city administration has asked for that report to be uh, made present uh, on the 31st. So how does this then tie into this larger scale zoning shakeup and the conversation that we're having in the city right now? Well, while this isn't Part of the actual zoning bylaw renewal and the public hearing on October 16th, this plays, I think, into a larger scale uh, of ideas behind rezoning and building that density 
in our city. Uh, so to put it simply, development makes a difference, right? Like it, it just, you need it. Yeah. And um, to create that kind of city that the Downtown Business Association and council are hoping for, we need more of it. So Bob Summer is the academic director of the U of A Sustainability Council and director of the School of Urban and Regional Planning. And he says this renewal is key to shaping what our city looks like. Cities change over time. They evolve. And, and really, we put in place our, our land use bylaws that, that kind of locked us into a lot of single family housing back in the 1930s. And we just continued doing that without really making many changes. And as we know, you know, cities grow up and as they grow up and get bigger and, and more people move, uh, the city changes. And we haven't really reflected that in the land use bylaws. So it kind of locked us in in a very sort of old way of, of having a city. You know, developers build buildings. Uh, they build in many, if we're talking about neighborhoods, they build residential houses and then there are people in those and those people become residents. And it's really just the evolution of community. Developers will build houses. They build them on the outskirts of the city. They build them in the interior part of the city. This will make it a little bit easier for them to build in the core of the city and it will, you know, we will see some change. But, um, developers will be building no matter what we do. This just helps redirect where they build. These incentives for developers, I mean, it could be part of the development puzzle that the city is trying to address. We'll find out more in the coming weeks. Awesome. Thanks for this, Ben. My pleasure. The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton, and our team this week is Lizzie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, and Olivia O. Oh. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. I'm Claire Bonnyman, and we are in the middle of a zoning mini-series, and we'd love to hear from you. How do you feel about the upcoming zoning bylaw renewal in the city? Will your neighborhood change? Let us know. The loop at cbc.ca is our email, and you can always leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities, and you can find us on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.